0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Partner Buzz, the AWS partner Focus podcast in Australia and Area, New Zealand. My name is Richard Wilmot, and in addition to being your host for today, I'm a partner management solutions architect here in Sydney. Partner Buzz is a podcast series for people in both technical and business leadership roles within our AWS partner network community throughout the ANZ region. We'll be taking a deep dive into a wide range of topics to better inform, and we hope also entertain our community as we build together for our joint AWS customers. Today, I'm joined by Lachlan Rolfe, Partner Sales Solution Architect, and Lachlan works closely with our customer teams in the mining, energy, and industrial vertical. Lachlan, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Richard.
0: Great to have you. So, folks, today we're going to be tackling an important and growing concern for all of us, and that's sustainability. We'll have a really important part to play, but sometimes knowing where to start can be a real challenge. So, Lachlan, let's let's unpack a little bit... um, why should we care about sustainability
1: so I think uh, sustainability has been something that people have been aware of for quite some time now but um, it's becoming much more pressing you see the the news every day that there's a new environmental challenge that we face uh, yep even today we've seen we've seen that there are fires uh, taking houses in southern New South Wales in early October and I mean that is that is
0: Historically, it's quite unprecedented, isn't it? It's been it's un- been pretty monstrous here.
1: Uh, unprecedented is the the becoming the precedented word.
0: Absolutely, it's the new normal now, isn't it? We just have it, to. It um,
1: yeah. Um, so this
0: is in. Sorry, go ahead.
1: So I was just going to say that that we we historically see it as as a a challenge, but I think now it, it's here and now and not affecting somewhere else, but it's affecting us. Mm-hmm. So it's become yeah. much more relevant.
0: I think one of the things which uh, you and I spoke about um, before before the show is that sometimes it's really get it's 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 difficult to understand where to start. People can get trapped in that inaction because really um, it's it's been a such a long sustained crisis that's growing that that sometimes the urgency, even though it's staring us in the face, has been it hasn't been there all the time. Take us through that.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's I think a key point, to sort of where we are is. Um, there was a, a work done in the 1960s by a group of psychologists that sort of looked at the the psychology of um, long ongoing crises, um, yeah. not sort of the the there's a fire or there's a car accident where you spring into action, but sort of that mm. um, frog in the boiling water type crisis. And they kind of they, they came up with five different um, ideas as around why people don't take action. Um yeah. With one of them being distance, and I think that one for Australians particularly is is long gone. It's not here. It's not now. For Australia, mm. it, it is definitely here. It is definitely now. We've had yeah. years, as you said, of unprecedented environmental impact. So mm. it is it is definitely now. Um, the second one was doom. I mean, uh, you you hear the news every day. There's wars. There's people dying. There's there's horrific atrocities being um committed around the world but it just becomes normalized it sort of rolls over you you expect to hear that when you turn the the news on mm. um so people just become desensitized to to that sort of messaging yeah and um, i think
0: that's that's a really important point especially as we we're looking at those fires as you mentioned in southern new south wales we're all very much taken back to 2019 but uh, we'd largely forgotten about those until this year yep. i think yeah
1: absolutely um Another one is dissonance. It's sort of the idea that you hold holding your head versus the actions that you take. Everybody mm. agrees. Well, the vast majority of people agree that climate change is real, that it's happening and it's here, but they're still going to get in their four wheel drive and they're going to drive to the shops. They're still going to take that plane rather than drive or catch a train. And mm. they don't really feel that their actions are directly contributing to the situation. So there's that disconnect between their actions and the ideas that they hold. Um, mm. And that sort of leads into the denial aspect of it as well. Of you, you really want to shield yourself from those uncomfortable truths. You don't, you don't really absorb them. You, you park them. You, you don't click on that article about the polar bears. You avoid those situations. Mm. Um, and, and then the the last D. So it's five Ds. But the last D is a bit of a cheat. It's identity. Um, mm. And it's really again, it's coming back to normalizing the actions in our society. We look around. Um, yeah, from the the people around us. There, there's people driving bigger four wheel drives. There's people getting business class or first class flights. There's there's people taking actions. So it's really a case of again, it's normalised for you to behave this way. Um, mm-hmm. And why should I change when other people aren't? And I think we need to to use these to tackle the to tackle the inaction that we see.
0: Hmm. Because fundamentally, this is something which is affecting all of us right now. We could be aware of it here, here in Australia. Um, but, but we can do something about it, can't we?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, we, we are in a privileged position.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things which I'm acutely aware of working with the wonderful partners within our AWS partner community is that partners have got a really disproportionate level of impact. Because they can potentially impact change on every single workload that they work on. It's not as if you're speaking directly to customers who can really only affect a single workload at a time. If we can work through partners, we can drive tremendous scale.
1: Absolutely, and I think that that is then uh, amplified by the position that we're in within AWS as well. In that we aren't just working in SMB or retail yeah. or any segment. We we have we have. Um, input and um, impact in in almost every segment today of Australia, um, whether it be the the mining energy industrials that I cover through to mm. yeah the the SMB or even the startup segment where we're there and we're present.
0: Yeah, and I think this is really where I really love our new one of our newer LPs, which is with success and scale comes broad responsibility, and this is really something which I think we can all take as as a catalyst to to drive forward. Um, what can we now do with our partners to actually help extend that impact that we as AWS and Amazon have, have taken? And I think you raise a really interesting point about segments. Um, it's my privilege to work with some really fantastic partners in the SMB segment. And um, the feedback I get from from my partners in the segment is that they often feel that customers in the segment feel that it's not really within their ability to drive impact. But I think you explained to me that absolutely it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and what we're seeing, and it's even been sig- signaled by Amazon globally as well in our latest sustainability um, report, was that that SMB is even though they're maybe small or medium businesses, they are part of someone's supply chain. And mm-hmm. what's being um, what's being realised today is to really affect uh, our overall global emissions. You need to look at only not, not only what you do as a company, but what the mm-hmm. companies that you do business with also do. So yeah. having, having a look at your impact in terms of your both upstream and downstream supply chain mm. those those impacts greatly because it's not just the emissions that you're making, but it's the emissions that someone else is then calculating into their own emissions factor.
0: And that's a really important factor because we have a really large and vibrant community of SMB businesses here across the ANZ region. And important consideration is that you make the point. Everybody is part of someone else's supply chain or supply web. And by understanding that you can start to quantify and account for your emissions in a way which is um, you know, valid and appropriate, makes you a very easy partner to do business with for those larger enterprises that now have the sustainability reporting requirements that potentially you might not have an SMB. It makes you the obvious choice to deal with. So it becomes a competitive advantage, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and these, these um, uh, reporting requirements are only going to become more stringent. Um, so mm-hmm. you'll be required to, to explain how your emissions are accounted for in that overall supply chain. And, yeah. and if, if, you, if you can't do that, then, then some businesses simply won't be able to do business with you.
0: Which we don't really want to be excluding those opportunities. No. It's, so really, it's actually about the opportunity as well for all of our partners. And I think um, very often we we focus on the importance around uh, security uh, at, at AWS. It is our top priority, and we we by implication expect it to be our partner's top priority too. Very closely followed by um, topics such as resilience as well. But mm. now, what you from what you're saying, we we actually kind of talking about sustainability coming a very very close third too, aren't we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. If we bake in these um, these views into how we perform our job, uh, how we build mm. products, how we operate our products, um, and we think about operating them in a sustainable manner, it, it's the the how to bake a cake analogy. You can't just come along and add eggs at the end of the baking process. It doesn't mm. work. So you need to you need to think about it up front as to how mm. you build something in a sustainable manner.
0: So really, it's about thinking about shifting left sustainability exactly the same way that we think about security. You can't retrofit security. You've got to be building it in right from the beginning. And I think on cloud, it becomes even more more important because ultimately, security comes from defense and depth. Um, thinking about those decisions that you're making that are affecting sustainability outcomes now become architectural considerations, much like security, don't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um- and I think if we uh, we have a look at that, we've also got different ways of impacting it. We've got um, what we would traditionally look at at AWS with um, sus- uh, sorry, state- sustainability in the cloud. So where we're looking at how we actually run our um, how we run our workloads efficiently, but also mm-hmm. using the technology that that AWS and our partners have developed to actually produce sustainability through the cloud. So mm-hmm. um, finding different ways to optimize processes inside our uh, inside the the processes that our companies run. So everything from supply chain optimization to manufacturing optimization, they're, they're all different technologies that you can look at including in your um, sustainability journey.
0: Because hmm. I think um, in the beginning, we kind of felt sustainability on AWS was really about running a sustainable workload in AWS. And I think that's Absolutely critical, as you spoke yes. about, much the same with security. We understand and think about the, there's the sustainability of the cloud, which is the AWS responsibility, sustainability in the cloud, much like security and resilience is something which we're there to help our customers with. But really, if we think about, uh, for example, the customers in your segment, their cloud workloads are a very small part of their operations. It's it, it's really what they can now do through the cloud, not just in the cloud, which is going to drive the biggest uh, the biggest outcomes.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and when we look at those, I think um, typically when you talk to a regular enterprise-sized um, mm-hmm. corporation, a lot of their emissions would come from things like running office space and the the emissions from their people getting into the into the offices. Uh, when yeah. you look at a when you look at a miner though, that mm-hmm. accounts for I think some of the some of the miners that's less than one percent of their overall emissions. Um, yeah. So we're looking at things like introducing um, technologies where they have software to optimize truck paths yep. so reducing diesel burn um, mm. they have grid optimization um, in real time so how do they how do they optimize the gas generators that power the facility versus rolling out solar so we mm. have all of these technologies that are that are being developed with our partners mm. that actually wouldn't be possible without some of the the cloud scale um, that AWS offers, but mm-hmm. isn't actually directly reducing their IT workload emissions. Yeah. It's reducing their their real world operational yeah. workloads,
0: which is interesting because I I know that uh, you talked me through this mental model once where really starting right at the top, there's this advisory level that our partners can play a really um, a really great role with to actually help our customers identify. What they can do is meaningful um, steps to to transform their business because really there's this optimize versus transform piece. But you've got to get that optimization right before you can go yeah. on that transformation journey. Then there's the um, the next layer down, which talks a lot about um, collecting that data for reporting because that's that's the first challenge that a lot of our customers have. But then again, once we've got that data available for reporting, this unlocks all those separate use cases that you explained which are really about how to now start thinking about optimizing your business even further, not just reporting on it. This is where our partners with really great AI, ML, machine learning, um, data and analytics skills are really going to come to the forefront. And then the next level down, we start talking about these line of business applications that are affecting these operational areas of the business too, which I think that's going to be a really fascinating um, space to see where our ISV partners especially can really bring some fantastic outcomes as you described.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um and and we're seeing and we're seeing our partners not only come to the table in terms of software as well, but also in terms of hardware as well, developing developing those sensors for for nuanced collection of data inside the field, um, that that then adds to the overall um, efficiencies that they are able to be gained because you now know what the laden weight of a truck was, or okay. what it's what its braking speed was down a, a certain incline, mm-hmm. before it would have been a case of the path would have assumed to be flat. So yeah. we're actually getting that next level of granular data under the hood rather than just making high-level assumptions as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Which then shows very clearly the opportunity for our partners who've got deep skills around IoT, for example.
1: Absolutely. That's a a, a booming area for our for our miners particularly. There's so many options and um, uh, ways to impact the overall mm. efficiency of a mine through through measurements and monitoring
0: yeah so thinking about sustainability clearly um sustainability best practices on aws workload is is a really good start Now, am minded of the the well-architected framework uh, sustainability pillar best practices i think you and i spoke about how these are obviously designed around workloads running in aws but there's a lot of scope to actually think about how to extend those best practices and think more holistically about a business um, the first one for example is understand your impact now, normally we talk about understanding what the environmental impact of your cloud workload is, but I would assume that once you extend beyond that workload, that's that's a key best practice that we need to start thinking about as a design principle for our businesses as a whole. Isn't that the case?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, what we just touched on there was the measurement of not only your cloud workload, but also your physical environment. Um, yeah. And then the reporting on that, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing that from more and more governments in terms of being able to capture and understand your impact across your yep. entire business
0: and then the second point uh, the second design principle talks about establishing sustainability goals which I think that that's probably harder than we think isn't it it,
1: it is um, in terms of where we need to get to um, mm. I, I mean I think the the first step there is still is still understanding the impact
0: so you yep. understand
1: the impact um, and once you understand where you are then you can understand how you actually are going to get set the the path for for your future sustainability Mm -hmm. goals Um, and a lot of companies are starting on that journey now
0: it's interesting because within a cloud workload for example uh, establishing that sustainability goal is often a little bit easier because we can think about potentially um, deciding that we need to reduce compute and storage resources required per transaction for example but in the real world it's a little bit more complex and nuanced but I think it still makes absolute sense. What's your North stars of business around sustainability? Is it a driver from your supply chain? Is it regulatory? Um, is it your stakeholders? Is it your is it your shareholders? Is it your customers? All these are very important considerations, I believe, from what we hear from our yeah. customers.
1: Yeah. And, we're, and we are seeing that more and more often every day in terms of um, what are considered um, activist investors. Uh, if you mm. look at Mike Cannon-Brooks but taking a, a significant stake in AGL, for example... Yeah, uh, to, to make to, to force them to make changes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's becoming much more common in terms of the the business practices of of companies.
0: It's a board level concern for, yeah. for a lot of a lot of our customers. Um the third best practice we talk about, or rather design principle, is maximizing utilization. And I think this is a really important point where sustainability goals and drivers look an awful lot like cost optimization. If we're going to maximize the utilization of any given resource, um, that's something as a design principle that makes sense both in the cloud and in the real world, where if we're right-sizing what our infrastructure to the demands of our customers, that just seems to make sense, doesn't it? It isn't necessarily it's, just a sustainability objective.
1: Absolutely not. And it's not even it's not sustainability. It's it's makes financial sense, business sense. If yeah. you're right-sizing and maximizing your utilization, you're you're getting the maximum amount of value out of a certain service. Um, we, we see uh, several partners coming to the sustainability table that have historically been supply chain partners. Yep. And the, the offering that they provide is, one, reporting on the emissions of your supply chain. But two, mm-hmm. the way that they offer a the reduction in your emissions is by maximizing the utilization of your supply chain. So making sure that when you send out a truck, it's because it absolutely needs to go or that it's as mm-hmm. full as it possibly can be. You're, you're spending less on diesel, you're spending less on manpower. So it's making both financial and environmental sense to do that.
0: Makes sense. The fourth um, design principle, we talk about anticipating and adopting new, more efficient hardware and software offerings, which I think in, in the cloud makes sense. You know, Great technology such as AWS Graviton offering considerably better price performance, but also sustainability um, against uh, traditional architectures. But I think Again, looking at how this extends beyond the cloud, that's kind of talking about understanding that your upstream supply chain will be making some improvements too and understanding how you can draw those into your business as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're, we're seeing that in things like, uh, again, miners uh, investigating mm-hmm. um, uh, producing green hydrogen from large solar farms to power their their mining fleets. Yeah. Um, and and as I touched on before, the the efficiency of of things like software optimized truck roll paths. Yeah. Um, they're not, they're not just they're not just sitting still waiting for someone to come and tell them how to reduce their emissions. They're investing yeah. in both hardware and software to optimize their operations.
0: Which also means that when our customers are anticipating that other providers will be making improvements, they now have to open up their business to be able to become a lot more agile to incorporate these changes, which also implies a certain operational uplift that you'll get as well as a side effect mm-hmm. of that, which I think is really interesting side effect. Nice. So on cloud, we also talk about using managed services um, across a lot of pillars of well-architected, uh, which I think really comes from sharing resources across a, a broader customer base, helps maximize resource utilization, which I think feeds back into it. Yeah. But again, I think in the real world, it, it comes back to identifying who your best of breed supply chain partners can be, working with them, um, because they can help you achieve your own sustainability outcomes. And I think, as you said at the top of the show, even if you're an SMB um, customer or in the SMB segment, you're still going to be in someone's supply chain. You know, you're know, you still yeah. going to be part of someone's scope three emissions. So thinking about how to be that managed service that makes the most sense for your customers really gives you that competitive advantage as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, we're, we're seeing new partners coming to the table in terms of sustainability offerings, almost every Mm day. Um, But like I said before, with supply chain, we're also seeing historically um, unique uh, partners adapting to include sustainability and and emissions reduction into their product. So it's an evolution of those managed services that you would traditionally consume that Mm -hmm. are now adding a different layer, layer of value for you.
0: Fantastic. And then the final uh, the final design principle is reducing the downstream impact of your cloud workloads. And typically, what we what we mean there is ensuring that we reduce the amount of end resources that are required to use our services. And that might mean, you know, not offloading computation onto end user devices when you could do it more efficiently on the cloud, um, or potentially using um, device farms to to test that you are not forcing your your um, your End users to upgrade their hardware unnecessarily to provide a more sustainable outcome. And I think that that downstream impact is something which we we feel is baked into very much every sustainability outcome. But it's it's understanding, I think for me that that really talks about your the impact of your emissions as well as things like your scope three emissions too, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you think about downstream impacts in terms of sustainability, it's really the scope three emissions. How much how many how much emissions does your product produce when it's consumed? Um yeah. for things like what we would call upstream energy providers that produce oil and gas, those mm. those scope three emissions are quite large. Yeah. Um, so how can they how can they pivot to producing green fuels, for example, whether mm. that be green aviation fuel or switching to something like hydrogen or ammonia? Um yeah. uh, interesting space in terms of like iron ore. Production and re- and reduction into iron—that's quite a carbon-intensive activity. There's mm-hmm. a lot of work going on to remove uh, coal from that process and replace it with electricity. So again, mm-hmm. it's a it's a technology conversation um, mm-hmm. at, at at how you're reducing your downstream impact by changing the processes or your um, solutions that your customers use to consume the products that you
0: make. So together, it's it's really quite interesting that. It's not just all about a sustainability outcome from targeting these design principles and best practices because I mean I love that point about um, understanding a downstream impact means you're starting to learn more about your customers um, if you're right sizing to your SLAs you're better understanding what your customers' needs and drivers are so really um, you know there's there's multiple outcomes that we're impacting by taking sustainability as being a goal that we're all trying to achieve you know agility to to include upstream sustainability improvements like, as we said, Graviton, um, means that in the cloud context, you've got good DevOps best practices that allows you to have that operational excellence uplift to start incorporating these changes sooner and get them out to your customers. But that also means you get all the benefits of having an operationally mature business. So I think it takes takes a, a bit of time to think about what the what the side effects and the additional benefits can be. So we aren't just targeting that single outcome, which I think is um is gonna be critical across all of our customers and all the segments. And our partners are the are the right place to help them with that, I think, as well. But um talk us through what we're seeing elsewhere, Lachlan. I know that uh, you've been across some of the legislation that just that occurs elsewhere in the world. And I think we're acutely aware that uh, you know, there there will be there will be requirements for reporting from um, uh, Australian businesses for a start, um, anti-greenwashing legislation, et cetera. Yep. That's going to be a critical part of where our partners can help our customers ensure that they're staying on the right side of that line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're still in the relatively early days in terms of legislation around your emissions reduction reporting. Um, but what we're starting to see is that you've got things like the um, safeguard mechanism that was introduced in uh, this year, which will mm-hmm. have a material impact on our largest emitters if they don't make, uh, I think it's a 5% cut in right. their emissions by 2024. So it's a material cut within a relatively short time frame. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's a there's still a, a relatively uh, unique position in politics in Australia in terms of carbon and carbon pricing. But mm-hmm. the problem is that it's not just Australia. Your supply chain isn't just inside Australia. Um, mm-hmm. Places like uh, Europe have introduced what they call the Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism, or CBAM, basically yep. to stop their large emitters outsourcing the carbon production parts of their process to countries mm-hmm. that don't have um, that, that don't have the the carbon pricing agreements in place. So if you if you trade with Europe, you're mm-hmm. you're you're captured by legislation around the emissions, and if you can't account for your your emissions then you're going to be in a, in a disadvantage uh, globally mm-hmm. to to trade.
0: So clearly again one of the the great enablers of of uh, AWS is it allows our customers to to have that global reach. Yep. But there's a lot of uh, consideration that come with that. If you can if you can understand how you can build that sustainability reporting for example into your global product then it makes you significantly more attractive and you can compete globally. Yeah. I think absolutely. it's a critical piece of insight. Nice. That's and amazing.
1: Gets you gets you new new markets without that heavy lift that you would need to do otherwise.
0: Yeah, indeed. No, I think that's an amazing point. Um, and we're just about wrapping up, but I'd love it if you can go through some of the top three things that our partners can really think about today to put this into action.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we're in a great position, as we touched on earlier, um, in terms of the breadth of the partners and the reach that AWS have. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think the first one is really around um, how do you how do you set a goal for sustainability um, yep. and make it a priority and execute on it um, we're, we're lucky in that in AWS we've we've got the catalyst sprint around the um, decarbonization and ESG reporting mm-hmm. um, we've got partners who are coming to market with offerings specifically to help our customers achieve this
0: so on those offerings how can how can our partners get involved with that Catalyst Sprint or at least uh, understand what solution offerings that they potentially could incorporate into their solutions from other partners uh, to serve their customers. Uh,
1: so in terms of getting involved in the Catalyst Sprint, there is an intake process for the Catalyst uh, program. Yeah. Uh, Bella Zinesco is the uh, lead for that and is the uh, process owner. Best to reach out to her.
0: Nice. Or we could just reach out to um, your AWS account team, who can who can get you in touch with the right people internally.
1: That will uh, that would be a great way to do it as well. Nice. Um, yes. Cool. Uh, sorry. No, no, Karen. Uh, so um, the the second the second goal I think we need to set is really about um, making sure that when we consider a new product or a process, that we're we're including sustainability in the business requirements. As we said mm-hmm. before, shifting left. You're, you're not yep. trying to bake in sustainability after the fact. Um, you're, you're considering what that looks like when you're actually building that up front.
0: It's interesting. So that's kind of talking about taking what might be regarded as being those non-functional requirements and actually embedding them because much like security is an expectation, it's table stakes for any customer to accept expect partners to be delivering secure solutions as built. Um, it potentially isn't something which needs to be spelled out anymore because it is understood as being there's there's no alternative. And I think yep. you've hit a really good point. We're kind of getting to the point now where we don't really have functional, non-functional requirements. We just have requirements. And sustainability, much like security, much like resilience, is starting to cement into these foundational requirements that so I think all of our partners need to be aware of because it's meeting our customers and our customers' end users' expectations as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you'll see that more in the in the coming years where... Just like you would have today, a, a, a health rating on a piece of food. I think yeah. we will see probably some form of identification of how sustainable a product is, mm-hmm. and that that's just going to become part of doing business. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that it's not a um, it's not a, a a afterthought anymore. It's an upfront consideration that that needs to be mm-hmm. taken into everything. Nice. Um, and uh, I, I guess the uh, the third one would be um, making sure that when we do look at the sustainability targets, we're, we're not making trade-offs um, in terms of, I mean, if we were to look in the cloud, it wouldn't be making a trade-off of are we looking at uh, reducing emissions versus uh, impacting security or availability. We need yeah. to make sure that we've got sustainability with the other the other requirements that we need in our products that we're that we're hitting uh, and producing good quality products that are sustainable as well
0: which is very much the same way that we talk about security um we don't talk about trading off security for reliability for example we have base levels of expected security which have to be in everything we potentially might make try to you know trade off some performance and cost for example but but not security and and this is kind of where sustainability needs to go next as well isn't it
1: I think it's the logical conclusion for for mm. what we will see. I mean, if you if you, I mean security is a great example, and if you look at the journey from the early twenties, ah, twenty tens to to where we mm. are now, it's come along so far, and I think we'll see the same sort of advances in sustainability over the next decade.
0: So it's really no accident that we talk about uh, the shared sustainability model, because really all of our partners should be very well versed in the shared responsibility model. For, uh, security, it's a great mental model that allows us to understand how we can start building outcomes, you know, be it sustainability, resilience, et cetera, in partnership with AWS for our customers. Absolutely. Lachlan, that's really been amazing. Um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today, folks, but I hope that's given our audience some really good insights on how we can work better together to, to serve our AWS customers. Lachlan, thank you so much for spending your time today with us. Uh, Richard, thank you very much for having me. And for me, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Partner Buzz. And we look forward to joining you in our next episode.